So this month, we, we did this earlier this year, but we're doing it again now. We're, we, we're doing two sermon series this year based on books of the Bible that we're actually going to be going into during our life groups. And so this month, we are looking at the book of Lamentations. Woo! You guys excited? Let's get lamenting up in here. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Anyway, uh, we're calling this series Rivers in the Wilderness. And we're focusing mainly on Lamentations, but I also wanted to pull in some of the other what's known as wisdom literature in the Bible, which is the book of Job and Ecclesiastes, which deal with a lot of the same sort of things. And so we're going to be going through this based on our, our life groups and looking at our lives and where we need to find these rivers in the wilderness. And what we mean by that is sometimes in life we face difficulty, right? Who here would be like, hey, you know, right now my life's pretty good. I'm in a pretty good season. Rough. Oh, man. We are beat up. Okay. Yeah, you better be saying that. Uh-huh. Uh, and then there's some of us who would say, like, I don't know I'd say, I'm in a pretty good season of life. And then if I ask, like, who here is going through, like, a hard season? You don't have to raise your hand for that if it embarrasses you. I'll also raise my hand for a hard season. Like, they can be at the same time. Like, oh, this is really good. But this is really hard, and it's like you're in the wilderness, and you're searching for water because you're thirsty. Lamentations is all about these rivers in the wilderness. In the middle of pain, where do we find refreshment? Where do we find comfort? And I love that the Bible deals with issues like this. The Bible isn't just all stuff that's like, oh, yay, this is all great, and if you do this just right, everything's going to be great. The Bible's honest. The human condition includes suffering, doesn't it? And so we're going to be going through the book of Lamentations, kind of pulling out some key ideas, pulling in some stuff that's going to be in the Bible Project video that we'll get to watch when we hit that week of life groups. Lamentations 1.1 starts very cheerfully. How deserted lies the city, once so full of people. How like a widow is she, who was once great among the nations. She who was queen among the provinces has now become a slave. And in one five, it kind of continues, her foes have become her masters. Her enemies are at ease. The Lord has brought her grief because of her many sins. And her children have gone into exile, captive before the foe. So, maybe you don't have a whole lot of background on ancient Jewish history. That's okay. Let me explain it to you. So, we have this nation, Israel. Israel was the nation founded uh, when people came out of the Egypt and into back into the promised land. Maybe you've seen Prince of Egypt before. Let my people go. Um, yeah, that one. And so they, they come, they, they take the land after they wander, you know, 40 years in the wilderness. Wilderness, huh? Um, and then they, they found this nation. And this nation at first doesn't really have any kings. It's just 12 tribes kind of doing their thing. 
The book of Judges hits on that. No, everything goes wrong pretty quick. And eventually the people are like, hey, we want a king. And God's like, you don't. You really don't. But we want a king. And God says, okay, well, here, here's a king. And it starts with this dude named Saul, and Saul's kind of a sucky king. Uh, and he gets replaced by David, who comes up a lot, right? David, King David wrote all the Psalms. David was a good king, mostly. And then this whole line of kings goes through. Eventually, Israel actually splits into two nations with different kings. One is Judah, and then one is Israel. And eventually, Israel has ungodly kings who worship idols, and eventually God just wrecks them. Then Judah goes the same way. And so here the prophet is writing lamentations because Jerusalem has fallen to Babylon. Their city has burned around them, and they've been taken into exile. So that's why I entitled today's message, if you might have seen it in your notes, When the City Burns Around You. It's cheerful. Aren't you glad you came to church today? When the city burns around you. Because at some point in our lives, it's felt like that. And as this prophet writes these verses, it's all very honest. And I really like that. So our, we're kind of going to key in and focus on Lamentations 1, 20-22 today. And it says this. See, Lord, how distressed I am. You ever prayed that? Oh, Lord, come on. I am in torment within, and in my heart I am disturbed, for I have been most rebellious. Outside the sword bereaves, inside there is only death. People have heard my groaning, but there's no one to comfort me. All my enemies have heard my distress. They rejoice at what you have done. May you bring the day you have announced so they will become like me. Let all their wickedness come before you. Deal with them as you have dealt with me because of all my sins. My groans are many and my heart is faint. So he's talking about how miserable he is. And it may be my favorite prayer in the scripture when he's talking about his enemies. May that you bring the day you have announced so that they will be as miserable as I am. That's very honest. We're supposed to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us, right? But uh, we don't always accomplish that. And here the prophet is like, I'm so miserable and these enemies are so evil. God, bring the day where they get smooshed. So as we explore Lamentations today, I want in this first chapter to kind of dive into how do we stand in the middle of destruction? How do we stand in the middle of destruction and continue doing what Jesus has called us to do and being who Jesus has called us to be? Because even if you're in a good season right now, which some of you might be, no one raised their hand though, 
you're going to have a hard you're going to have hard seasons. There's going to be times where you enter in to the wilderness of life and you're thirsty. What do, what do we do? I think we, I want to start with this idea that it is okay to express what you feel to God. Sometimes we get a little mixed up about this. And when we're angry with God or we're upset with God, we think that we can hide it from him. No, we can't. He knows everything. All-knowing. He knows what he knows you're angry. He knows you're sad. He knows you're upset. That's why I think the the laments in Scripture are so spiritually significant. And there's more than just the book of Lamentations. Like there's whole Psalms that are laments. Psalms that you, you don't read at church in the part of worship because people will look at you funny. If 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 I if you know we're having this this worshipful experience and I came up here and said, Blessed is the man who takes the Babylonian baby and strikes his head against a rock. That's in the Bible. That's what the guy was feeling. But it doesn't fit that part of service, right? (laughs) How do we stand in the midst of destruction? First, we have to see, just just like the prophet did here, he said, see, Lord, how distressed I am. I'm in torment. In my heart, I'm disturbed. But here's a key. We're going to be honest with God. He's honest right here. And he says, I'm in distress, I'm in torment, my heart is disturbed, for I have been most rebellious. Because typically, if we're going to be honest about it, a lot of the times when we face difficulty, when we face pain, we kind of did it to ourselves. You ever had that moment? You ever had that moment where you're in a really rough time? And you know deep down, this is because I make stupid decisions. I'll be the first to admit that. No problem. I'm in this bad season because I did something stupid. I made a bad decision. I didn't think before I spoke or acted. So if we're going to be honest with God about our anger... We also have to be honest with God sometimes about whose fault it is. And say, you know what, I'm going to, God, this is, I've been most rebellious. I have done the things you've told me not to do. So I'm going to do something about that. But I'm still angry. And that's okay. That, that's a tension that, that God is okay with. The book of Job has this all over it. Job's a really big book of the Bible. Anyone who's read the book of Job could tell you, like, oh my gosh, these people just keep talking. Job's great because it's one of those uh, books of the Bible where you can grab some really out-of-context scriptures. I'd say, like, the Bible says, da 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 it does, but that person was wrong and God yells at him later. And Job says this in, in Job 31, 2 through 4. He says, for what is our lot from God above, our heritage from the Almighty on high? 
Is it not ruin for the wicked, disaster for those who do wrong? Does he not see my ways and count my every step? Because Job's arguing with his friends. Because basically what has happened is Job's whole life is a mess. His kids are dead. His wife is dead. His, all of his crops have been taken away from him. He has sores all over his body. And his friends are telling Job, this is happening because you've sinned. And Job is like, no, I haven't. And then they go back and say, no, if bad things are happening to you, it's because you've sinned. And Job's like, no, I don't think so. And then eventually God comes in and, and, and kind of the whole the whole thing gets resolved well because Job is a righteous man and but we have to express what what we're feeling and Job does that a lot he talks about in this little verse like but doesn't God see my ways and count my every step doesn't God know that I'm righteous why are these bad things happening because sometimes it is my heart's disturbed for I've been most rebellious. Sometimes we enter in rough seasons and we have nothing to do with it. And we have to we have to we have to look at those and, and no matter where we are at in the wilderness, whether we're in the wilderness because of stupid choices, or we're in the wilderness because sometimes life is hard. We have to express what we're feeling to God. Be honest about it. He knows anyway. You're not tricking him. The human track record for tricking God is not good. Starting with Adam and Eve in the garden, right? Uh, God's like, who told you you were naked? Yeah. yeah no, they're, they're trying to hide from God. It did not work. Won't work for you either. So we have to we have to express what we feel. And I think as, as as we read through scripture and we go through scripture in life groups and we you hit these different things throughout the year that these laments in scripture. I think they're, they are significant for us to see in the Bible that people sometimes will just tell God, "This is weird. This is wrong. I don't understand why you're doing this." But also we have to grab a hold of God's promises. We do. In the, in the seasons of pain, in the seasons where we're facing these hard things, we have to remember who God is and what he's told us and who he's made us to be. Verse 21, the people have heard my groaning, but there's no one to comfort me. All my enemies have heard of my distress. They rejoice at what you have done. But then, in the middle of this, again, I, and I find this little, little section really funny, but he says, may you bring the day you have announced so that they may become like me. And the prophet here, that's actually in the middle of, of kind of a, I guess it's really funny, he's being like, God, do something bad to them. But he also knows that God's justice is true. And he knows that God has, the, the day you have announced, the day you have promised, 
the prophet here is, is leaning into his faith a little bit in the middle of his pain. Leaning in, into faith that, you know what, God, this is a mess right now. But there's a day that you've announced where justice is going to be done. We're getting a service, the, the Apostles' Creed played. And you know, it talks about all these different promises and things we believe in the church. And sometimes when, it, when, when life is hard, we have to remember what God has promised. When, when we've lost someone we loved, we have to remember that there's a resurrection of the dead. When people are unjust and they oppress the weak, we have to remember there's a final judgment. That ultimately, everyone will go before Jesus and answer for what they have done or haven't done. We have to grab a hold of God's promises in the middle of our pain. And lastly, we have to realize, and this is something that I've actually taken from, from the Bible Project video, but I love this. It's realize God's judgment is actually a seedbed of hope. Let their wickedness come before you. Deal with them as you have dealt with me because of all my sins. My groans are many and my heart is faint. If we're in the middle of a wilderness season, and it's something that we've kind of done to ourselves because we've made bad decisions, we have to realize that God never gives up on us. That when Jesus was teaching his disciples how to forgive, he he was teaching them the way he forgives. Hey, when your brother sins against you, don't just forgive them seven times. Forgive them seven times, seven times. That's the character of God. You know what? Eventually, God does judge sin. But he doesn't do it for the sake of destruction. He does, God's judgment is all about restoration. It's how can, how can this dead thing become alive? Because the wages of sin, Scripture teaches us, is death. Sin kills us in, in little ways. Sometimes sin kills us. And Jesus is, is looking to put us in a place sometimes where we can go from that brokenness into new life. You know, we, I have lots of friends who are part of Recovery in one way or another. And they, you know, you know, someone, maybe they're an Alcoholics Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous, whatever, and they talk about rock bottom. Sometimes God has to take us to rock bottom so that we can realize how desperately we need him. Because Jesus wants to be our Lord and Savior. He wants to be King Jesus in our lives. And sometimes, because we're sinful, consumeristic, 
idol-worshipping people, in whatever way that looks like it in our own life, sometimes Jesus has to take us into the wilderness and get us to a point where we can be humble enough to realize that we cannot be king of our own life any longer. Jesus is king, and I am not. Because when I'm king of my life, the city burns around me. My sin causes death. When I'm king, everything's broken. But if we allow Jesus to be king, we find a river in that wilderness. We find that living water that we need to drink. Because it's the way God designed us. Ecclesiastes, which is a, a book of wisdom, is attributed to the King Solomon. Ecclesiastes has a lot of really great stuff in it, but I like this. It says that he, being God, has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. He has set eternity in our heart. But we can't really get what he's doing all the time. So sometimes when we face these pains, we, we face the wilderness, we, we don't see, we don't fathom what God is doing in and among us. Another part of scripture talks about how, you know what, in this life, we see through a glass darkly. Like maybe in your bathroom, you have some of that frosted glass so people can't see you go to the bathroom, right? If you don't, get some. No one needs to see that. That's kind of how we see what God's doing. We, we Sometimes we think we know what God is up to, but we're actually just looking through a piece of frosted glass and seeing a blur going on, and we don't really know what we're looking at. Sometimes in that blur, we see our wilderness and we see the brokenness that we're facing and we think that God has abandoned us. What God is actually doing is planting us to where we can grow into the people that he needs us to be to do what he's made us to do with our life, which is live our life with Jesus as king on his mission. And maybe you, you face a lot of wilderness periods and maybe you keep ending up in them because you're not learning the right lessons. Sometimes we think we enter into, and maybe you're in a hard season right now. And we get into those and we think, okay, well, this is bad, and I, I'm here because I'm stupid, so I've got to fix this. I've got to fix it. I, I'm a fixer. I don't know about you. Like, I want to fix my problems. That's the wrong lesson. The right lesson is that you can't fix it. Jesus can. That's why he died for you. Because on the cross, the Son of God took all of your sin, all of your shame. And in the resurrection of the dead, he defeated even death so that you could have eternal life. But you have to put Jesus in his right place, which is king. Not just a get-out-of-hell-free card, but the Christian faith is all about saying, Jesus, you're king. You're in charge. I'm not. You are Lord. 
I am not. And so what you tell me to do, I will do. When you tell me to pick up my cross and die to myself, I will die. Learn the right lesson from the wilderness. Or you might find yourself back there. We see that in, in Lamentations. We see Israel has, has finally reached this point where after king after king and after time after time of them going after their own selves and not making God king of Israel, but finally, they're broken. And they start the process. And Lamentations is, is some of that process of saying, God, you're, you're king. We messed this up. Restore us again. Maybe that's your prayer today. Maybe you've been trying to do this yourself. And you think that, you know what? I'm going to go to church. And I'm going to make good choices. And I'm going to be a loving person. I'm going I'm I'm to try to fix this so that I know I'm right with God. You don't have to. All those things are good things. I want you at church. I want you to be a loving person. I want you to, you know, all that stuff. But what you need is to say today, Jesus, your Lord, your God, I believe you died for me. I believe you rose from the dead. And I want to make you king of my life. You're in charge now. I'm not. If you've never made that, that first step, that's your first step of faith. That's how you become a Christian. It's not because somebody put water on your head. It's not because your mom was a Christian or your dad was. It's not inherited genetically. But it's when each one of us takes that first step and says, Jesus, I believe faith. Your Lord, your God, your King, I'm not. And you can step into that faith and find new life and eternal life starting now, today, if you believe. Or maybe you believed a long time ago and you haven't lived it. And you've been going back into the wilderness over and over again because although you believe in Jesus and you had that moment of faith, you've never really let him be king. Today is the day. Today is the day where you can say, in, in, the, in the moments where we're taking communion together, you can say, Jesus, once again, you're king. For the rest of us, even those of us who would say, hey, I'm a fully surrendered follower of Jesus. Jesus has control of my time, my talent, my treasure. We still mess this up, don't we? I mess this up. And so I think for all of us today, as we, we head to the communion table together, we can reflect on the cross and the bread, which is Jesus' body broken for us, and then the cup, which is Jesus' blood poured out for the forgiveness of sins, and we take these elements together. We say once again today, Jesus, because of your sacrifice of who you are, your king, Make us people of faith till the city burns around us. So we can be beacons of hope in our dark world. Would you pray with me?